welcome to episode 136 of Friends in Film. We're here to bring you the latest movie news and review the biggest new release, which this week is The Meg. As well as I'm your host, Cooper Hood. And this week, I'm joined by Josh Straley. Hey, hello, everyone. I'm wearing pink shorts, and I think I'm killing it. Yeah, looks good. Thank so, you. Can't anything about them. Um, as we have started with this new format, we're going to kick this week off um, by talking about another movie we've watched recently, other than The Meg. Josh, what have you been watching this friday i chucked out glenn powell's new movie with lily james and a bunch of other people i don't really Mm -hmm. care about the gershire literary and potato peel society it's netflix's newest film and it's about books and everyone's british so it's like downton abbey but I liked it. It's comfortable. I had tea and like a little breakfast sandwich from Jimmy Dean's while I watched it. Okay. And it's okay. I'll probably write a review of it, but at this moment, I'm not feeling like the exact willpower to, so who knows? But it was like, you know what? This is sweet. Lily James is adorable and just about Mm -hmm. everything she's in, so I I, I was there for it. Two of my favorite people in Hollywood currently are Lily James and Glenn Powell, so... Maybe I will check that out as well. Um, I did not see this week, um, but I did go and see a wedding, actually, which I just want to give a special shout out to Amanda Morris, one of our favorite guests, now known as Amanda Campbell because she got married this past uh-huh. weekend. So congratulations, Amanda. You're Congrats. probably not listening to this because you're on a honeymoon, so why listen to Friends of Home podcast? But if you check it out later on, we love you. You're <laughs> welcome back anytime. But um, this past week... I want to throw a quick plug to my review for The Darkest Minds, which is up on the site, friendsandfilm.wordpress.com. But I actually want to talk about Isle of Dogs, which I saw this week. I went to Redbox, checked yes. it out, and I really enjoyed the movie mm-hmm. because uh, it has the it just has that Wes Anderson feel. It has the beautiful animation. Uh, some of the story I didn't necessarily need. There's a lot of moving parts that felt like weren't really necessary. But at the end of the day, I was like, oh, it's a, it's a nice story about dogs i love dogs mm-hmm. and uh yeah it was just it was, a, it was an enjoyable time right it's the quintessential pleasant wes anderson movie like everything in it is designed to make you go oh yeah and smile and like even greta gerwig's characters like Re- tracy's resistance like mm-hmm. in the capital and all that's like yeah i don't need this but yeah it makes for some quirky fun yeah i was like eh, at least greta gerwig's in this i guess but mm-hmm. yeah so that was uh that was an enjoyable one to check out this week josh if they want to know kind of what we're up to what the site what the uh, podcast is up to how can they find us online i'm glad you asked cooper because you can find all of our latest updates and what we're keeping track of on twitter at friends and film and you can get all of our latest shows on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, stitcher and soundcloud and if you can please rate and review us on itunes or google or wherever you're getting us Mm -hmm. um it really helps yeah are we on spotify yet not on spotify yet okay but alex jones is gone from there so hopefully we can take that place (laughs) okay we'll we'll work on that one uh but as we introduced a couple weeks ago we have a new format um if you have not checked out the the podcast before it's going to go short spoiler free review a main spoiler uh full conversation then we break for about 20 seconds just to give you guys a breather then we come back for the news do three main topics take it or skip it and then end it with the flyby which is quick hitting news topics so on that note this week we are viewing the meg i wrote the review for the site and you guys can go up and read that currently on friendsoffilm.wordpress.com i gave it three ticket stubs out of five because this is no great movie but as jason statham fighting a giant shark and really when i was going into the movie i was like 
as long as I can have like some dumb fun, mm-hmm. I'll be satisfied. And I found myself very satisfied by the movie. Yeah, you can pick apart the plot and the characters are very thin and stereotypical. But there are still fun moments to be had with it. Uh, Jason Statham, I thought, was great as the leading role of Jonas Taylor. Uh, It is just uh, a really enjoyable, wacky ride. There's some crazy set pieces that goes, you know, to Fast and Furious level, over-the-top exaggerated action. But you're you're locked in. You enjoy it. I feel like most of the cast understood what this movie was, that it's just like this dumb, giant, $150 million B-movie. And they're like, all right, we're going to ham it up. Rain Wilson's having a blast. Mm-hmm. Um, Ruby Rose, I thought was pretty good. Um, she, there's there's one scene in particular that I didn't quite enjoy from her, but we can talk about that in spoilers. Um, Cliff Curtis was having a ball. Um, Bing Bing Lee as his like basically love interest. I thought they were decent together, even though the love angle was a little forced. Um, but her daughter in the movie Shuya Sophia Ch- Kai, uh, she was adorable. And so it made for a fun interaction between her and Statham. So I was able to kind of let that one slide. But really, are there problems? Absolutely. Could it have been better with an R-rated uh, R rating? Ooh. Absolutely. Because you could get some more terror because that, that, that starts kind of uh, more adult. Uh, there's like horror. Oh, Mickey by Tommy Bessel, but it's yep. a thigh version of it. And it's just like, okay, yeah, an R rating could have been better. Could it have been 10 to 15 minutes shorter? Absolutely. Do they expect? I had, I had a fun time, so I'm not you know, judging this thing on like you know as an Oscar contender or even a popular film or something. But <laughs> it is an enjoyable time if you think you go in knowing what it is. Headline said, "What else do you need?" So three ticket subs for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and agree with you basically on everything there. Um, this movie is practically skyscraper just transported to the bottom of the ocean instead of the tallest tower it's the ocean's deepest trench and the world's greatest biggest shark yep um starring another bald action hero jason statham and Mm. i mean that that's what that's what we've got here but he doesn't have quite have the charisma as the rock and the movie sort of like acknowledges that and i thought that was kind of funny but he does well um the shark cg is okay yeah. I don't know if it's $150 million <laughs> worth of, you know, excellent no. shark material. It would have been cool if to see robots and things like that mm-hmm. used for him. Whatever the case is, though. But the ensemble cast, all great. But Rain Wilson, my main man, so good. Um, he, he, above anyone, knows what this movie is um, and plays to that. And he almost kind of is a stand-in for the audience in a lot of yeah. ways um, using like our rudimentary knowledge of sharks. I thought that played out lovely. Um, but yeah, plot is super run-of-the-mill. Um, it's basically Jaws with a little bit of Godzilla 1998 sprinkled, salted in there a little bit with the twist. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll get to that. And you know, it just, like you said, starts slow, but it's very methodical and formulaic and it, but i enjoyed it like it's three ticket stubs you know it's not great mm-hmm. it'll be one of those movies where you'd be like you haven't seen the meg oh boy you gotta watch this you put <laughs> it in and you laugh your entire way through mm-hmm. you go ooh and ah it gets there for you um Heck, I have MoviePass and AMC uh, A-list. I may go back and check it out in IMAX. Oh, wow. I think I need to see it, it was, big. It was, a, it, was, it was a good time in IMAX. Okay, yeah. So I'm going to have to go. I may have to go do that. Um, but yeah, give it a try. It's Especially if you're on some kind of movie list. Yeah. Um, pass list. Because you really aren't going to lose here. 
No. And I mean, it's, it's basically, if you've ever seen one of those like sci-fi movies of like, it's giant shark versus giant octopus. It's mm-hmm. like, this is the exact yes. type of movie this is, but it stars Jason Statham and it costs $150 million and you're seeing an IMAX instead of on sci-fi on your couch on a Friday night right. in your PJs with a giant pizza mm-hmm. and commercial breaks. Yes. That's the only difference. <laughs> so let it, let's just move into spoilers here so we can have kind of more conversation about this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, the addition of the other Megalodon. Yes, there's two Megalodons. There are two Megalodons. Uh, that was something that like it, it, it threw me by surprise a little bit, but then also it's like, well, you're not going to kill a Megalodon in the middle mm-hmm. of a movie unless it's, it wasn't actually dead, but we saw its eyes glaze over. So it's like, clearly this thing is right. still around. Poison work. Um, but that was one of those things where like, wait, where did this other Megalodon come from? <laughs> I think it came up with under because the cloud was broken or whatever yes. so they, they just followed them up they're two sharks remember because when in godzilla 1998 they kill one godzilla but then all of a sudden another godzilla comes out of nowhere and they're like wait what there's another godzilla holy cow and then it leads to a whole another plot and that's kind of how this was but i liked it it was like we win and they're like nope another shark nope. you're doomed <laughs> just gotta <laughs> like, leap come, over the boat exactly eat it yeah i mean Smalls them up. uh that was one moment where i at least thought the visual effects were pretty good because like you know yes the tipping over the boat the other megalodon eat the other megalodon was like it looked good but like just the explanation or the lack thereof of <laughs> this under right. the what this underwater world that was beneath the mariana's trench didn't just house one 70 foot megalodon it also mm-hmm. housed a, a 200 foot megalodon and like they didn't encounter each, each other while they were down there multiple times on those missions mm-hmm. um that was just like wait what yeah <laughs> like I, I maybe could have bought if there was like oh this is like a group of megalodons and there's like there were and that's why they all those ships kept getting hit so many times mm-hmm. it's because there's like one megalodon over this side megalodon over here megalodon over here it's like oh now there's like four or five that would have been interesting instead of just like the giant megalodon, but when you when it it pays off enough, where at the end of the movie when it's Statham literally trying to like swim away from this giant megalodon, yeah. uh, turning his like uh, little boat thing on its side with a with a piece of metal sticking out, <laughs> cutting all the way through, and then stabbing it in the mm-hmm. side with a knife and like having it breach out of the ocean so you could stab it in the eye. It's yeah. like, what in the world are we doing here? But it was, uh, it was, it was like, ridiculous. It was like slaying the dragon in like yeah. a lot of ways, just like out on the ocean. And I'm like, you know what? I've, I've bought it this far. Mm-hmm. This this is totally fine. I praise Dwayne Johnson for scaling a building, you know, with his bare hands. This works too. He scales a megalodon. Exactly. You can't, can't beat that. Uh, that's one thing The Rock has not done. Um, I just... Uh, I'm interested to hear your take on Ruby Rose. Yes. Real quick. I was disappointed that it wasn't a vehicle for her. And, I, and through all of the trailers, I was like, yeah, this is going to be awesome. At least the build up to this. Mm-hmm. And then the trailers was like, okay, Ruby Rose is in these. It's kind of disappointing, but it was all on Statham and the shark. Yeah. So I figured it was just a marketing thing. Oh. But she's really just a sidekick or she's part yes. of that ensemble boat cast. Mm-hmm. And that was disappointing. Um, I know we're getting her in Batwoman, but you know, yeah. I thought, that finally her movie career is going to rock it off. No, but I no. I definitely did not expect her to have a significant role. She was actually probably had a bigger role than I anticipated her having. Okay. Uh, just because, like you said, she wasn't really in the marketing at all, so I didn't really have that build up that, oh, yeah, she's in this movie. Um, but I, I, I liked her, like, you know, that she's just, like, the confident, uh, kind of witty 
she's a like computer hacker, right? Or something. She does something with technology. Yes. A communications expert, but also more than that. But so, yeah, I didn't like, anticipate her to have a big role and that, but like the part that I didn't like from her is like, it was just one moment from Ruby Rose, but it was her crying scene. Um, it yeah. was just like, this isn't the greatest. Like I thought she was good through all the rest of it because she has to have like some personality, but then like the turtle tub just puts like this extreme close up on her in the water. And you're just like, I'm not, I'm just not buying it. I'm sorry. Like I think Ruby yeah. Rose is a good actress, but, or she's serviceable. I haven't been like super impressed with her because I've never, I haven't seen orange is the new blacks. And I know that's where she's like, gets a lot of her acclaim from my roles or my uh, impression with her has been like through John wick and now this. Mm-hmm. So it's like very limited roles, but that was uh, one more. I was like, okay. Yeah. No, it, it comes from not knowing her strength. I think like yeah. the cry. Yeah. I kind of agree with you. Not so much her performance, but just, I'm like, no, she would flip off the shark or something like yeah. that, you know, in the moment. But, uh, I was just pleasantly surprised with the tension in this movie. Mm-hmm. It actually, eked out a couple really good moments of that. Like you mentioned in the beginning, um, Statham is this summary or scuba diving rescue yeah, yeah. expert. And he's saving people from a submarine, which is mm-hmm. his first encounter with a Megalodon. People think he's crazy after he comes back and tells them. Um, that moment is really good. Mm-hmm. And then they kind of do a reversal of it because it's dark and creepy and eerie. And then they do a reversal of that where we get him just out in the water looking to put a tracer on the Megalodon. Mm-hmm. And, I really bought that. I mean, I was like, I was like, oh boy, where's it at? Where's it at? Where's it at? Coming in and out of the water. And then he goes back under again and da-dum. Right yeah. There, like right there it is. Would have been cooler if it was like ready to bite him or something mm-hmm. like that. But it leads to a really tense chase uh, as they reel him back in yeah. and everything like that. So uh, I would go for there. Yeah, I was, I was very surprised at like the, at the amount of tension because you would expect it to be like, oh, like it's, it wasn't going to pay off that well. But they mm-hmm. were actually like, mo- like I was legitimately felt like any time the Megalodon was on the screen, somebody or like you know somebody could die, and I think that was that was a good thing because if you're not scared of the Megalodon, then like this movie falls flat on its face. Yep. And whether it's just because they killed enough people, I was like, oh, who's gonna go next? I don't know. Um, but it, it worked just in the way that they set it up. There were even like the score was a little reminiscent of the Jaws theme, which I was like, all right, mm-hmm. I see what you're trying to do there. I'd rather you not because <laughs> right. you're not Jaws, but at the same time, like uh, whatever. Yeah, I mean, you're not John Williams either. Yes. So. Like I get you trying to just go in for this. I, I do. Okay. What about the plans to destroy the Megalodon? All smart. I love that Rain Wilson's idea was basically he'd blow seen, it up. He'd seen Jaws before. And he's like, yeah. let's just do a version of that. Mm-hmm. And then it blows up in his face. Literally. Yes. <laughs> takes uh, out a whale. And <laughs> I just love that. He's like the enthusiast here. He's like, I love sharks. Sharks are great. I'm funding all these ventures. Let's do this thing. And then he's like the most incompetent of the But bunch. then he's also like, he like has that brief, like, you know, five minute term before he dies of like, Ooh, he's the bad guy. Mm-hmm. Like he's evil. And it's like, Right. What? Yeah. <laughs> like he just had like this whole like oh I'm mourning with you speech and now he's just like all right get the bombs. <laughs> I'm like what? <laughs> What's happening? <laughs> like Rain, I love you, man, but I don't I don't know. Uh, the plan doesn't make any sense. Um, and the fact that like it this was the part of the plan. I guess it's not the plan is the the, sequence the, of the, the the celebration of that they thought the plan worked mm-hmm. was that. He has been like around the group enough where like 
I think he know, he would know the size of the megalodon, right? Because he's encountered it, he's seen it in the sea, and then like they blow up a whale, and he's like, they're like, we got it, and it's, he's like, and he's like, oh yeah, and it's like you would know, you were there, mm-hmm. like the megalodon, even the the first one is like twice as big at least of the regular sized whale so you would know that this is clearly not the megalodon unless you think it's like just half of it or something yeah so it's just like wait it's like you like you just lost all like credibility like oh you're being kind of smart and it's like i don't know his like death that's like super like uh, of course it's like oh he's alive but no yeah. he's not and then, then, yeah the second bite comes in and kills him it's like come on um but i do want to What'd you think of the uh, Finding Dory reference? Oh yeah, just keep swimming, <laughs> yeah. just keep swimming. Um, That's where I felt like this movie knew exactly where what exactly, it was. Exactly, yeah. Uh, there was like a little. I think there's like a little expose on mm-hmm. um, director breaking down that scene for a little bit or whatever. Okay. And they like joked about how Statham like hated saying that, and like I'm like, oh no, did he think this movie was gonna be serious for a second? And then they got to it, and then I'm like. Oh, okay. Uh, well, apparently he did because apparently him and Turtle Tub signed up for a very different movie, according to what they've been saying in the press. Um, where, which was another kind of one of those problems that I had with the Meg to a certain degree. It didn't like ruin the movie or anything for me, obviously, but there are like those beats of like, well, it's like I mentioned, it starts off with that like you know gripping action scene with uh, you know Statham making that save, and then it cuts to you know that song it's like oh okay mm-hmm. this is like these are two very different tones and you kind of cut back and forth between oh lighthearted fun people at the beach to people are gonna die because the megalodon's here and it's like i don't know which one this is um and apparently according to turtle tub and statham like they taught i think they said to collider that both of them thought this was going to be a very different movie mm-hmm. and that the result was much different than what the movie they signed up for because they thought it was going to be like an r-rated like more bloody and like, and that's even what the book is. Apparently I haven't read the book, but that is what I've heard is the book is a lot gorier and more adults. And there's a lot more stuff going on with like people wanting to use the Megalodon for their own, um, Mm. uh, Jurassic world, the Megalodon type of thing. Yeah. Basically we're like, you know, they're like, Oh, here's a Megalodon. Like some people want to save it. Some people want to like research with it. Some people want to turn into like a weapon or something. Like, so there's like those conflicting things. So like when rain is like, yeah, I I called all the governments. They're aware. And they're sending these two ships to go blow it up. And it's like, and then he doesn't actually do that. I don't know if in the book that he, he actually does do that. And then it starts like this, like war of sorts of like, well, we want to do. We want to use the megalodon, but you guys also want to use the megalodon, and these people also want to use the megalodon. There's only one megalodon, so right. <laughs> what are we going to do here? But I mean, yeah, I don't know. At the end of the day, it's just like you got to just sit back and either buy into what the movie mm-hmm. is trying to be, or you can look at it cynically and just be like this movie just it doesn't know what it wants to be, and I'm not here for it. But if I think for me. If you just sit back, enjoy the ride, you'll have a good time. Yeah, for sure. The the, the first trailer definitely said this is a different movie for half of it. And yeah. then it gets to the beaches and then the, the please to eat mm-hmm. you tagline comes up. Yes. And you're like, okay, this is just looking to be some summer fun. And that's what the result was. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I dug it. I, I would like to go see it again in IMAX. But after that, I think I'd, you know. Like You're to, done. I'm, I'm done. I don't yeah. need to talk about the Meg ever again. Yeah, I don't think I'll ever see it again. Um, but it was a fun enough time. You know, it's one of those movies. that's like, oh, everybody, everybody wants to get together, have a good laugh. Like, mm-hmm. you, it's one of those movies, I guess, potentially. But yeah. it, it's it's not something I'm gonna be eager to rewatch or buy or on digital or anything. So, um, 
just to wrap it up, I did think for a brief moment that they were going to set up a, a sequel because they like to end it. They like go like that into the deep water shot. And I was like, Oh gosh. Yeah. Like, like we're going to see like another Megalodon swim by. And I was like, oh, my gosh, here we go again. Mm-hmm. And then they didn't do it. And it was just like, and then the Meg logo popped. I was like, Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> Cause if you would have set up a sequel, I mean, the movie's actually doing really well at the box office. So maybe it could garner one eventually, but uh, I would not count on it. Right. We, we could be looking at a whole Mariana's trench trilogy here not careful but yeah maybe you never know you never know um so that is all we have to say on the meg we both gave it three tickets out of five if you guys have seen the movie uh and hopefully you have because you listen to all of our spoiler thoughts on it let us know what you guys thought about it as well again you can find us on twitter at friends of film and then you can tweet us uh as a whole as the account or find us each individual online as well but let us know your thoughts on the meg what you thought of it uh where you think it ranks in terms of shark movies is it the best movie since jaws and that features a giant shark or just a shark in general let us know all your hot takes on the meg um, but in the meantime we're going to take a quick break and be right back in a bit with the news back with our big three movie topics uh, this week we're going to start with an update on star trek 4 because thr reported this week that chris pine and chris hemsworth may not be in the movie after all following contract negotiations that fell apart and had both sides walk away from the table with paramount uh according to the report th according to the part from thr paramount is still planning to move forward with Star Trek IV. They don't anticipate delaying the project in any way. Um, even if Pine and Hemsworth don't come back around and actually sign up for the movie. So since this is basically about payment that Pine and Hemsworth think they are worth their top dollar because they're in DC and Marvel movies respectively. But Paramount is looking at this and saying, Hey, Star Trek beyond only made this amount of money and we need to lower the budget to make sure we can still make this fourth one profitable because the third one technically wasn't. Do you think that Paramount should pay up or do you think Pine and Hemsworth need to come back down to be back a part of it? Or should this just like not happen? Paramount needs to pay up. You just had a very successful mission impossible fallout film. Okay. And the Chris's have never been more popular ever. Mm -hmm. You're going to have Chris Pine again, break out this next December for Wonder Woman, or next November. Next November, correct. And Chris Hemsworth is going to kick some serious butt, and we're all going to cry and you know love him at the end of whatever Avengers Four is going to be. Mm-hmm. Why would you not just say, <laughs> okay, here here's your ten million a piece or whatever you're like, like twenty. Twenty million, yeah, I, I would think so. Here's your twenty million a piece. Now go make us a three hundred million dollar movie or four hundred million dollar movie, whatever it will do. Uh, oh, at the box. I thought you were talking about like budget. I'm like, oh, oh no, my no, gosh. No, no. Like, yeah, no, that's no, no. a big problem. And then they can, they can water it down. I mean, everyone gets paid less. Sure. Mm-hmm. But yeah, retool the whole team. Put in, bring in new actors. Let J.J. Abrams recast a lot of what? people. I mean, Zachary Quinto is non-replaceable. But everyone else. And Carl Urban's non-replaceable. Either. And Simon Pegg and Zoe Saldana, John Cho. Yeah, but Simon Pegg's pretty cheap. Is he? I don't know. 
What do you think they pay him? I don't know. I, but they need to get it in gear. S.J. Clarkson, um, I'm really excited to see mm-hmm. where her and Bad Robot can cook up together. And you can't go wrong bringing these two people in. I think it's just a dumb move on Paramount's part. Yeah. It's a, and, and listen, other than Mission Impossible, Paramount's a dumb studio. So... Yeah, I. This is a tough one because I get it from Paramount's perspective of saying Star Trek Beyond didn't make as much money as nearly enough money as we thought it was going to make. So we need to temper our expectations internally and try to trim this budget or keep it within a reasonable amount so we can, even if Star Trek 4 only makes around the same as Beyond, we can actually make a profit this time instead. And if that's the case. I don't know how you can let go of Pine and Hemsworth, though. That's the only problem. Exactly. You can't have Star Trek without either Kirk, um, and especially not with either Chris. So you're this is a this is a very tough road to go down. Um, I mean, I know there were those those rumors earlier that Denai Guerrero was being looked at for either possibly like the female lead or a female villain. Um, so I mean, maybe she could step in and be the new captain or something. But that is that's a big transition to happen after Star Trek Beyond, where it was like. They like that whole group was like ready for another adventure, and like there's no mention of Sophia Patella. Would she return as Jayla? I mean, there, there's just a lot of unanswered questions at this point. And honestly, as much as I, I've really enjoyed this J.J. Abrams, you know, reboots of Star Trek, mm-hmm. if you can't get Pine, you can't get Hemsworth. Um, I mean, I think even without them, Peg and Saldana and Urban and Quinto and Cho would probably still return in some capacity, but at that point, you're losing. It, it, especially with Pine, you're losing the lead of the franchise and you're losing with Hemsworth. The father son reconnection was uh, it looked to be the crux of the entire movie in some way. Right. So it's, it seems like you're losing your entire movie if you lose both of them. So I think Paramount, as much as I don't want them to blow up the budget just to make the movie and poss- possibly take a loss, you got to do what you got to do if you want to actually get this movie made. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't care if they take a loss or not. I want to see the movie. <laughs> well, I mean, so do I. But at the same time, you got to be <laughs> practical about this stuff. Well, I don't work for them. I don't have to be practical about anything. I will harangue them until they make Star Trek Four, and then we get to have it, and they can worry about profitability. And but then it'll just be shouting money. into a void. If you're shouting, give me Star Trek Four, but you have to pay everybody top dollar, then for a studio perspective, it doesn't make any sense. I am an ideas guy. They work out the details. Okay. That's what social media has taught me. That's true. I yell my ideas, and you're just supposed to make them happen. So if Pine and Hemsworth say they don't come back around, okay. and they they can't find a common ground with their contracts, and they just like, all right, sorry, we're out. We're out of Star Trek Four Because it looks like Paramount was going to – Paramount was starting with Pine and Hemsworth to secure and lock down these new contracts, mm-hmm. and then we're going to move on to the rest of the cast – will the rest of the cast also stay? Because like, I feel like Quinto doesn't necessarily love doing these movies anyways. Like he's not really these big blockbuster type of guy. So I could see him being like, well, if Pine's out, I'm out. And then like Peg will probably be like, well, JJ says I should still probably do this. So, okay, I'm still in. <laughs> um, but then like Saldana, she could maybe stay and like her and Guerrero could be the new leads or something. Or you, like, you take John Cho who briefly served as the captain in Star Trek one for like just a brief second at the end against the Romulans or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe he he's promoted to captain. I don't know. There, there are ways to move this forward, I guess. But it, it, it would definitely feel more like a reboot or a, a relaunch of the franchise rather than a sequel to Beyond. 
if like you lose Pine and say Quinto and Hemsworth doesn't return or something. Yeah, I, I mean that would make the most sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I'd be disappointed because it seems like this is the completion of this four film arc when you kind of like bring the time mm-hmm. travel ends together. Yeah. So that'll be sad to see JJ not be able to complete or what he began not be able to be completed by Clarkson and the rest of the studio. <sighs> so yeah, if you can't get them, just start over. Yeah, but uh, it doesn't seem like they're gonna they're gonna want to do that. So we'll see what happens with Star Trek Four. Um, but Variety this week also gave us a bunch of new details on Sony's Spider Man related plans. Um, starting with, they confirmed that movies for Silk. Nightwatch and a new standalone movie for a character called Jackpot it are in the works at the studio. Then they also revealed that Silver and Black is no more. It is being split up into two movies, a solo movie for Silver Sable and a solo movie for Black Cat. And that uh, Gina Prince uh, by the Bithwood, who was uh, attached to direct Silver and Black, is most likely going to depart those projects and still possibly produce them but she is not going to be a director on either one it seems Um, and if that's the case then sony plans to hire female directors for both of those movies then and then finally they also said that there is the growing sense that venom's going to be pg-13 because sony wants it to have larger commercial appeal but then also leave it open to possible crossovers with mcu or with tom holland spider-man because if it's an r-rated venom then how can the r-rated venom pop up and you know spider-man 3 with tom holland without watering him down in some way or something so with all of these plans it looks like the spider-verse or whatever they're calling it i think they actually called it sony's marvel friend i don't remember what it was but it was like this really weird acronym um do these plans make any sense uh yes they make sense you have a slew of marvel properties the hottest commodity at the box office right now yeah why would you not use them yeah develop develop movies mine these for characters and go for it because they're yours make movies but like how many of these are like actually gonna happen two or three two silk will definitely happen really yes um it's connected to Spider-Man. It They've is. already laid the groundwork. Um, her name is already Cindy in Moon. The movie. Yeah, yeah, it's already been in the care. You know, but, been cast. But that that's under the you run with it. That's under the assumption that this is an MCU connection property. <clears throat> yes, that is true. But if Venom's already going to be connected, if there already is that rumored Tom Holland. TV spot cameo. But that doesn't make any sense now. If how, it's PG thirteen, yeah. No, but like, how can how can Peter Parker appear in Venom because he is currently dusted? <laughs> well, this is going to take place prior to Infinity War, See, and so they're going to the explain it that way. They can just run with it in a lot of ways. Um, so you but, know, but you know, they're going to make some like there's going to be some like headline or something on the news. It's like, oh, here's. To, like you know we're gonna see like an article from eddie brock and it's gonna say like october 2018 we're like well we all know that infinity war took place like in early summer mm-hmm. of 2018 so clearly this doesn't work okay <laughs> and there's timeline problems and sony screwing everything up um i and here's a i mean i don't the, all these plans sound fine i don't really care because i feel like they are just like 
pipe dreams at this point for Sony. I don't feel like any of these are legitimately being made. Even the Morbius movie that has Jared Leto attached to star and Daniel Spinoza set to direct, that movie is only going to happen, as will the rest of these, if Venom actually proves to be a hit. If Venom comes out in October and it opens to like $30 million and it has like a... 45 to 60% Rotten Tomatoes, and at the end of its box office run, it makes like $300 million. That is not the launching point for a cinematic universe. And Sony will then relook at their plans, probably go run into Kevin Feige's office and say, Kevin, please help us. <laughs> we will give you Tom Hardy's Venom. <laughs> Just help us make our own movies. And he'll be like, um, no. But I'll buy your carriages back from you for a couple billion dollars. Hmm. Yeah, I think like Screen Rant published a uh, article about like, is this a plan to sell the Sony uh, yes, picture we did. or whatever? Okay, yeah. Um, no, I don't buy that. I think Sony just definitely wants to make these movies. Emmy Pascal sees like Verizon are like, we have all of these. Let's go. Let's do them. Develop. Work on. And then if when you get a good script, which I think will be first by Nightwatch, I think that's your best idea ever right there. It's compelling. It's interesting. Um, it's a minority character mm-hmm. too, which there is a desperate need for. So that I think that'll be like pushed right to the front. I mean, that is one thing we have to commend Sony for is with all of these movies outside of Venom, um, which they're clearly doing as the hopeful universe launcher with mm-hmm. a known IP in Venom. Uh, all the other characters are either minorities or female or sometimes, you know, both as, you know, they're women of color, uh, whether it's Silk being a she's she's Asian American. I believe, yeah. um, mm-hmm. I mean, Silver, I mean, Silver Sable Black Cat can be whatever uh, race you want. It doesn't really matter to those characters. And then same with Jackpot. Um, all of these characters can help differentiate themselves from other you know what we've seen usually with superhero movies of white males leading all of them uh they can differentiate themselves by adding some diversity to those but that doesn't necessarily mean that they are going to happen it just i think to me says well they're at least trying to do something different we'll see whether or not we actually get to see these movies yeah i mean they don't even have to be 100 million dollar blockbusters either I mean, if you can get a movie out there for $80 million that's low to the ground, keeps a PG-13 um, poppy tone mm-hmm. to it, go for it. Well, I think a lot. I think all of these characters, yeah, like you, I think we were about to say, they all lend themselves to it pretty well. Yeah, well, I mean, Venom. even below 80, like Silver Sable and Black Cat are like mercenary, like thief-type characters. Like those movies could be made for $40 million, mm-hmm. like tops probably. Yeah. Um, you just got to get a good script, a good director who can like deliver practical action. Um, and like if these movies are diving into like these giant CGI battles, which is like the one moment that another moment that Venom trailer where it's like at the end where it's like, here's Riz Ahmed's CGI face and here's Tom Hardy's CG face with CGI symbiote around them. It's like, that just doesn't look good right now. No. Hopefully they can enhance that and make it look a lot better by the time October comes around. But like these movies shouldn't try to go to those levels. They should just focus on doing these smaller uh, villains or these smaller characters and whether it's Craven or Morbius or Nightwatch or whatever, just give us something a little different. Yeah. The best example would be do what is happening on Netflix only in film form. 
yeah, but the, I mean, and if they did that, then I mean, even if it is connected to the MCU, they'll probably have Netflix level connections to the MCU too, just being like, oh, the incident, mm-hmm. yeah, or like, oh, look, there's Spider Man, we own him, don't forget, yeah, it's almost, yeah, and maybe their plan is to sell. I don't know. I mean, I, I could buy that conversation too. I, uh, the article was somewhat convincing, but not completely. I, I yeah, personally, I don't buy into that necessarily because. Okay. You're throwing a lot of money into development unless you're not actually developing these and just being like, yeah, we're going to tell Hollywood Reporter that we're developing mm-hmm. 19 properties. Just some office and be like, well, shoot, we, we want to do something with Craven. We want to do something with Suck. We want to do something with Morbius or uh, Nightwatch or whoever. We can't let that happen. Yeah. So let's go call Sony real quick and see if we can buy these 900 characters back from them. So um, does it bum you out at all that – Venom's going to be PG-13 instead of R, no, most likely. Well, it doesn't bum me out as much because I think, I mean, I love the idea of an R-rated Venom movie, but the more I think about Ruben Flesher mm-hmm. and his body of work, it needs to be PG-13. Just I mean, because he, he's more comedy. He, he's, he's funnier than he is dark and serious. And... Sure, he can't toss F-bombs into his movie, but, you know, I, I think Venom will be, I think it has the potential, trailers aside, to be something really interesting. But, you know, we'll see how that shakes out. True. I mean, I feel like his most popular movie is still Zombieland, which is yeah. already comedy action, so... I, I get why they're doing it because of the commercial appeal of PG-13, but I also think if you threw out R-rated Venom, that could probably drive even more interest than here's a watered-down version of Venom, potentially. So we'll see if Venom just blows away like a turd of the wind or not. But uh, we also got an update from The Hollywood Reporter that uh, Disney is currently planning to use James Gunn's script for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, which is uh, very interesting and something we probably didn't think was going to happen because they were said to have severed all relationship ties with them, but now they would still use him potentially as a screenwriter and use his ideas as a hope to not delay the project. And then Deadline followed it up like the next day or maybe two days later mm-hmm. by saying that they've heard that internally Marvel as an, as an entity, the entire company of Marvel is pushing Disney to rehire James Gunn as the director of Guardians of Galaxy Volume 3. So this is, again, another update of the gun saga over at Disney and uh, Marvel. What do, you, what do you make of this? I mean, yeah, this is good. I like this. this is, these, are, these are two very good stories. The Hollywood Reporter story was like, aw, at least there's some reasonable amount of justice mm-hmm. for, you know, gun. I mean, the acknowledgement of wrongdoing. They, they fired him really without... They Ill- not illegally fired him. It wasn't in his contract that he signed at that moment yes. to be fired for. Like in the future, contracts will include that stuff. But um, seeing that he was about to get like a fifteen to twenty million dollar payout, or I think it was, it was like se- 10, seven to ten. Yeah, I think it suggested it could be more than that. Yeah, that was a lowball figure. So like, if he gets even above a ten million dollar payout, good for him. And now the deadline article that says, hey. The whole company wants you back. Mm-hmm. Please come back. Even if he doesn't get Guardians 3, if his script is allowed to be used and he's allowed to produce and they just hire somebody, you know, a, a cardboard director, you know, a cutout <laughs> to come in and just... They know. hire Jimmy Gunnigan? <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's James Gunn with a mustache. Yeah. And, you know, he directs the movie. Um, 
and then they pull out other projects for him or they still let him produce in the you know cosmic universe this all worked out i think even i mean even though disney ended up you know taking a bath on what it costed him to direct so i don't i don't get this i don't get the combination of these two stories because it is completely the opposite of everything we heard before but it's also the complete opposite of what Alan Horn said in that statement. He said, we are severing business relationship with James Gunn, not we are firing him as the director of Guardians 3. Maybe he can produce other movies for us. We don't know yet. But as of right now, we're, we're just at least firing him from this upcoming project. He was made it very clear that they wanted nothing to do with James Gunn and that so then when it comes out that, oh, they could use the script, it's like, well, then why would you not just rehire him? Like, if you're going to use his ideas, you're going to use his script how is it any different to have his name listed as screenwriter than it is to have it listed as director? You're still acknowledging his involvement with the project. You're still acknowledging that he crafted this movie. I mean, yes, maybe it it makes it so he's not doing press for the movie come 2020. Mm -hmm. But if you don't want that to happen, just don't have James Gunn do press for the movie. Like it's that simple. You can, you can work it that way or like narrow the margin instead of having James Gunn go on a world tour to promote Guardians three, just send the entire cast and maybe without like Dave Batista. So he doesn't like say any like thing he may regret. Uh, you just have like James Gunn talk to like a couple outlets mm-hmm. and like, that's the, that's the extent of his coverage. That's the extent of his press. That's all he has to do because it just, it, it frustrates me that Disney wants to try to have it both ways potentially of like, well, we gotta we gotta wag our finger at you, James Gunn. We gotta fire you because these were bad tweets. But we're still gonna use your story because we like it and it ties into the larger franchise. But also, we don't want to delay our movie, so we're gonna do this. Um, and you know, maybe we'll bring you back later on. It's like no, just bring him back now. He can make his movie, and then he can still continue to do all the work he was going to do before. Because I think if you use his script, and then you're like, oh we'll bring you back for a Ravager spinoff or something. You're just like, it doesn't, it doesn't add up to me. Like if you can't have, you can't do it one way. You can be like, Oh, he can direct another movie, but not guardians three because that's different. It's like, no, it's not there. It's a movie. Maybe it just comes down to, they don't want to admit that maybe they rushed, they rushed their decision. But I mean, come on. Yeah. I I mean, I I just can't believe that you've, I mean, you've stumbled upon something that's so unheard of that the little, you know, the greatest movie studio, the greatest, let me pull, pull back on that just a minute there. <laughs> the most wealthiest, one of the most wealthiest, the most wealthy entertainment corporation is somehow obsessed with images, but also obsessed with making profit mm-hmm. and not making payouts to creators. That that blows my mind that they would somehow <laughs> want to have it, like you just said, have it, well, three ways, really. Yeah. Um, like I, I said it on the initial reaction. It was a PR stunt. Mm-hmm. They just wanted to make people happy. And remember, Disney owns everything. Yeah. So all of that was considered. The politics of the moment. How about that? And then now they're like, oh, great. We're faced with the reality of Marvel loves this dude. He had his fingers in everything. To sever all relationships with him would mean, you know, pulling out the foundational bricks of like their next 12 movies or something mm-hmm. like that. You know, I don't know. Um, and then you get to the reality of it. It was not that bad. Not that many people care except for a, a, some rage tweeters. Yeah. And you re- you realize that the cast was behind him the whole way mm-hmm. and it's not indicative of who the dude is. 
as evidenced by 20 different interviews that he's given, you know, since he began Guardians. Yeah. Uh, Alan Horn's a hack. Um, well, and, you know, it, it, yeah, they're they're image obsessed. So, which, which I get, but at the same time, like, I don't know. I don't think it makes their image any better if they're like, all right, we fired you, but we're still going to use your stuff and then we'll work with you in the future. Like, that is, in, in my mind at least, no better than just being like, well, we were wrong. James, you're back. Like, to me, at least the, maybe it's just my Twitter followers and the Twitter community I interact with or the online community, but at least in the circles I see the most, mm-hmm. I think bringing them back would actually save face with a lot of people more than keeping him fired, using a script, and then being like, well, you can now direct Eternals or something, I guess, because we still want to have you around. So we'll, we'll make up with it in that way. Like that bring, letting him complete his own story instead of trying to start a new one makes way more sense to me than like, like I just said, like then like him letting his story finish without his guidance and then doing something new. Yeah. Giving him a new project is weird and dumb. Um, rehiring him is the, is the class move. The classiest move is to rehire him, admit that they screwed up, mm-hmm. and move forward. But they won't do that. They'll probably just either quietly rehire him or rehire yeah, him. Yeah, you can't quietly bring him back yeah, at this true. point. Because then we'll, yeah, it'll be trumpeted and then everyone will complain mm-hmm. who was a part of the initial firing. Um, you just rehire him with a statement that says, we jumped the gun. Pun. Huh? Pun intended. And, then, <laughs> um, and you just move forward and block out any hater noise. Because, I mean, Kevin Feige is the most valuable dude at that yeah. studio. Well, and if Marvel as an entertainment corporation is pushing for it, your $12 billion, you know, that's, that, is that right? No. How much? Those how much? Made? They made $17 billion. Yeah. Your $17 billion studio head mm-hmm. says, hey, this guy's legit. Yeah. And I think that, I think that explains why, or at least the, the report from Deadline that Marvel is pushing. I'm, I'm assuming Kevin Feige is like the number one supporter um, because we've never had any information or reports that like there's a rift between them. It seems like they were very collaborative together being like, mm-hmm. all right, well, we're going to do this. With Gar- like James, you do whatever you want with guardians two and guardians three, but also help us plan out like the next 20 years of cosmic stories. And like, it seemed like to me, if like Foggy ever moved on or something like gun would basically take on the role of like overseeing Marvel cosmic. And then somebody like Nate Moore or somebody would become like the overseer of like, mcu earth or like all the other properties and i mean the other elephant in the room is that kevin feige's contract as far as we know still expires next year uh if he is the one pushing for the one of their most prolific directors one of the guys who's going to have the long-term future with the company if he's upset that they prematurely fired him without doing their research or something that could make him angry maybe make him want to jettison off after you know, next year uh, after he finishes his three phases, and at that point you lose two—that's two huge blows to Marvel if you lose Gunn and Feige, which is just a—you know—is is random speculation at this point. But I think it says a lot that we haven't heard from Feige yet, and I think when a final decision is made, whether it is bringing him back or keeping him off but using the script or just keeping off entirely, I—that's what I'm most interested at this point—is seeing what Kevin Feige has to say. Yeah, and I think it's been telling that everyone's been keeping silent about this except for the Guardians cast. Mm-hmm. I mean, no one else has spoken to word. Yeah. Gunn did his initial statement and his tweet storm afterwards. Mm-hmm. And then that was it. 
nothing from Kevin. Horn is the only person on record. Yep. And they would absolutely just cut ties with that guy and push him away. I don't know if you can easily cut ties with Horn. Well, no, he's chairman of the board? Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, so he's he's there. You let him take the brunt of it, I guess is what I'm saying. And then you just kind of go, all right, we're doing our thing. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Um, but just to wrap it up quickly, at this point, this is not the end of this at any in any instance. But at, at this moment, at uh, you know, at four twenty on August twelfth, do you believe that Gunn is going to be rehired or stay fired? He will be rehired to direct Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. To direct Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. I agree. Uh, we will see if that changes. I mean, it's 421 now, so who knows what's going to mm-hmm. happen. So uh, let's move on to Tigger Skip it real quick here. Uh, we got th- we got two trailers plus one kind of sneak peek. Uh, we got a full trailer for a movie Slaughterhouse Rules starring Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. Uh, the trailer for Nutcracker in the Four Realms finally was released online from Disney, and they also released a sneak peek for Ralph Breaks the Internet. Josh, what are you giving your ticket to? I'm going to give my ticket to Ralph Breaks the Internet. Um, Slaughterhouse Rules and Nutcracker were fine. There's some things to say about Nutcracker, but whatever. Uh, Gal Gadot announced that she is in the movie for Ralph Breaks the Internet, and that made me so happy. Mm -hmm. Her character, Shank, looks awesome (laughs) um, in so many ways. She's like the commander, the best racer in like a death race Mm -hmm. um, parody spoof video game version, and her and Vanellope, I'm just imagining that relationship. going forward is going to be adorable and then there's also some great uh more princess jokes yes. in there as well as well as a pretty big dig at pixar's <laughs> pixar's um, brave. brave which i don't like a ton but it was funny too it, it, it was a good joke i enjoyed it quite a bit yeah but uh, like when you know the politics of that movie or not the politics but like the canning of mm-hmm. the director and everything like that so it's like oh, i don't know if i'm a fan of that but you know uh, so be it but that is my ticket to ralph Breaks the okay i can't wait I'm going to give my ticket to Slaughterhouse Rules um, because it just like I feel like I know I liked what Ralph Breaks Internet did because it again it gave me Gal Gadot it gave me kind of more info on the movie kind of um, but Slaughterhouse Rules I didn't really know this was a movie until I saw the trailer and I was like oh this looks like fun looks like a fun Harry Potter spoof it has Simon Pegg Nick Frost back Asa Butterfield's in there as well. It just looks like a fun time um, and if spoofs are done correctly then I think they can always be super enjoyable so. I'm giving my ticket to Slaughterhouse Rules. Um, the big loser for me, which we don't, this isn't a, a segment of the ticker skip it, but like the Nutcracker of the Four Realms trailer, we saw that in theaters at the beginning of July because it was attached to Ant Man and the Wasp, I believe. Yes. And Disney related a full like month and a half almost to release it online. And like it was only like a minute something long. It was like, it was very weird. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that movie's gonna be very good but you can whatever. see the elements of the retool yes for that movie this one's much more of a clara focused story rather than like a world building mm-hmm. for the nutcracker trilogy or whatever yeah they were trying to go for last time around less mythic more personal which yeah. i think is actually better but, maybe i don't know Keir knightley's voice is just terrible so they gotta they gotta explain that somehow it's um a, it's a choice it's a choice <laughs> it is uh but let's move on to the flyby to wrap up the show here deadline revealed that oren uziel is writing a script for a supergirl solo movie he previously wrote 22 jump street and the cloverfield paradox so what do you make of this movie potentially it'll be an interesting mashup of those two scripts but supergirl as a film isn't really interesting and DC's continuing to start to build out 
the best of what they have. I like mm-hmm. it. Yeah, uh, the hiring of Orion is not the strongest indicator for me because t- the success of 22 Jump Street, I credit more to Phil or Chris Miller than Uzel, and then Clofield Paradox is like, ooh, that, uh, that was a little rough. Mm-hmm. So, But maybe, maybe the initial script he wrote wasn't rough, and then it was the, all the retooling by Bad Robot and everything that messed it up. We don't know. So it's kind of two like unanswered questions. And I don't know if it's, He also did like a Mortal Kombat movie, which I haven't seen. So... Uh, this one is still like a very wait and see approach, but the idea of a Supergirl solo movie intrigues me, um, especially if like there's been like chatter that maybe this means that Cavill's on the outs and that they need a Kryptonian to take on the lead, so they're going to go a young route with Supergirl. It'll be interesting to see what they do. So uh, we also got news this week from Inside Licensing News that uh, indicates that Hasbro and Paramount are developing a sequel to last year's Power Rangers movie. Will this actually happen? I hope so. I mean, I love R.J. Seiler yes. a lot, and he hasn't been in anything mainstream or that I've even Mm-mm. stumbled across for a while. And Naomi Scott, probably like the strongest actor in that entire franchise, was so good, and bringing all of them back together would be really cool. Yeah, I am dying for a sequel to Power Rangers because I thought the movie was one of the biggest surprises of last year, um, whether it's Dr. Montgomery, who's gone on to do Stranger Things, and he's going to return for season three, or Naomi Scott, or Becky G, or R.J. Seiler, um, and who's the other person? Or no, I got them all. Um I think that's just a really great cast, and I want to see them. Or Ludi Lin, that's who I forgot. Um, I, I liked their chemistry a lot in the movie, and seeing them return for a sequel with maybe a lower budget, but also bringing in Tommy the Green Ranger. Uh, there's, I think, a way to make this happen and actually make the movie profitable and let them get close to maybe getting to those six or seven sequels they originally wanted for this right. franchise. So uh, we will see. I hope it happens. I forgot uh, about Montgomery's role in Stranger Things. I started laughing at it. It's so good. Uh, we will also have to wait and see whether or not Shane Black gets his wish, which he told Fandango that he is pushing to make a sequel to The Nice Guys as long as he can find somebody to actually fund it. So, Josh, uh, will this actually happen? What has to happen for uh, it to happen? He has to kick a ton of butt with the Predators film that he's got mm-hmm. and then the world is his oyster he can take this oh hopefully not where did he do it last Warner brothers yeah paramount's not gonna fund him mm. well i hope he succeeds here so they can get this made the nice guys was probably one of my favorite movies of 2016 mm-hmm. was 2016 yeah wow feels like forever ago um it was an a plus ryan gosling and russell crowe film and i would just love to see those two back on screen again. Ryan Gosling via, or Ryan Gosling has never been bigger. He's the biggest point in his career now. He'll have an Oscar win to himself next year. Mm-hmm. So I think all the pieces are right there. It, it was Warner Brothers. Yeah. So, so. We will see. Uh, yes, I also very much hope that Nice Guys 2 happens. I want to see Crow and um, Ryan Gosling return, as well as the daughter and Gloria Rice. I thought she was great in that first movie as well. So I want to see them all come back, have this fun Shane Black buddy cop humor um will it happen Pro- I, I don't feel like it is going to happen i feel like this is a pipe dream um maybe if the predator makes like half a billion dollars worldwide we can have this conversation again but I, at this point i just don't feel like it's actually going to happen so um the rap also reported this week that black black mask is going to be the villain of birds of prey this has been, I think, pretty expected. I've said this name, I think, anytime we talked about who's going to be the villain. Mm-hmm. It's going to be Black Mask. It just feels like that's the choice. They ripped off uh, Gotham City Sirens, the script that David Ayer was doing, because he teased that Black Mask is going to be the villain of his movie. That movie probably isn't even happening at this point. So bring him on over. Uh, makes sense. 
we'll see. Um, he at least has a cool look to him, so you can make some selling points off that. For sure. And then whoever you get to play him um, could be an eccentric, and you're good to go there. Yeah. Uh, then Collider broke the news this week that Universal is delaying Cowboy Ninja Viking indefinitely. Uh, Pratt is going to remain in the leading role, but uh, Priyanka Chopra and then director Michelle McLaren, their involvement may come down to the scheduling of the movie because they're retooling – they delayed the movie so that they can refine the script because they didn't want to rush – it into production, which is going to start next month, uh, just to hit a summer 2019 release date. They'd rather take a little bit of a break, uh, get it right, and then move forward, which I think is the best move, and I think move studios should do more often. But will this movie actually happen now? Are you worried about it at all? Chris Pratt is producing and starring. It's going to happen eventually, whether or not it's you know 2020 or late 2019. Mm-hmm. Who, who, who knows? But, yeah, it'll be made. It just sucks because Michelle McLaren can't catch a break. Yeah. So uh, I know there was actually there was, um, you know, suggestions this week that, you know, if McLaren had to exit for any reason, maybe she went and joined a TV project or something, that if Gunn doesn't get rehired for Guardians 3, that this would be a prime project for him to jump over because apparently other studios are very eager to work with James Gunn. So mm-hmm. um, once his possible contract negotiations are over with Disney on his exits, uh this maybe this would be a project that he would attach himself to and team up with Pratt again. The name so. alone is perfect for him. Yeah, um, we'll have to wait and see on that though. I do hope it happens so because I like the concept of Cowboy Ninja Vikings. So, uh, Variety reported this week that Ben Schwartz is going to be the voice of Sonic in the upcoming live action film. Josh, Parks and Rec <laughs> yeah. fan, uh, Love it. this is great. Ben Schwartz fan too. He's perfect. He's, it's, his voice is just zany enough on its own to be a perfect fit for Sonic, and then whatever they do in post. And yeah, he he he's gonna be great, you know, side by side with James Martin. Do you hope that he actually goes to suit and wears the green screen uh, outfit? Oh yeah, absolutely. And I hope it like looks like the Ninja Turtle stuff that they did for those movies too, so we can have just have that you know set image <laughs> of Ben Schwartz in like a spiky getup. Yeah, it would be perfect. He's probably not gonna do that, but I mean, I I think Ben Schwartz is talented. He's funny. I want to see him. I think he's going to be a, a good choice for the voice of Sonic and at least add some comedic humor to the movie uh, in that leading role. Uh, then Variety reported this week that Guy Pierce is in talks to replace Michael Sheen in Vin Diesel's Bloodshot after Sheen had to leave the movie due to scheduling. Big fan of Guy Pierce, so him taking on this Valiant adaptation is cool. Not really that interested in the movie overall, I guess, but we'll have to wait and see if this one, how this one turns out, but... At this point, Guy Pierce's involvement at least adds some more credibility to the project, hopefully, than it being like a run-of-the-mill triple X movie for Vin Diesel or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he's he's a talented actor, a great villain, um, and he'll be great to have to people be great to be, be pitted against Vin. Yeah, um, and then lastly, Variety also brought this week that Brie Larson is joining Just Mercy, a courtroom drama movie starring Michael B. Jordan and Jamie Foxx. It is a short-term 12 in Glass Castle reunion for Larson as she reteams with director Destin Cretton. Uh, big fan of short-term 12. Glass, Glass Castle is a little bit disappointing for me, but when you have Destin Cret- uh, Cretton directing Brie Larson, Michael B. Jordan, Jamie Foxx, that is uh, about as all-star of a top three cast that you can ask for at this point. So I am all here for this. And the premise is very interesting. So uh, when, hopefully this movie is coming out like next year or something, but I'm all here for it. Yeah, same here. So uh, that is the end of the show this week, which brings us to the end of this episode. We'll be back next week with a review of a movie that I'm not entirely sure of. I think we're going to be doing Mile 22, uh, either that or Crazy Rich Asians. I don't know which one. I'm assuming it'll be Mile 22, but... We'll wait and see, I guess. So 
uh, if it is mile 22, Josh, you're not the biggest Peter Berg fan from what I've gathered. I love Peter Berg. You're just not interested in mile 22. I'm not you think interested it had the worst edited movie. trailer. It has the worst ever. edited trailer, the worst dialogue. Um, I really hope crazy rich Asians goes wide and I will be begging you every day next week for us to review it. Okay. Well, we'll see what happens then. Uh, we'll also be back this week with another big question this week, tackling the controversial moves the Oscar made, uh, the Oscars made, whether and we'll discuss whether or not the addition of the most popular film category and the subtraction of uh, the runtime or the con- uh, shortening kind of how some announcements are made for some of the smaller categories. We'll discuss all that in the big question as well. So be sure to look, be on the lookout for that. And if you want to know when those episodes drop, uh, be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and everything else um, by finding us at friends of film. And then while you're there and if you enjoyed this episode, please share, retweet and more. Um, and while you're on iTunes, please give us a five-star review or do that wherever else you can find us online. Um, but to send us your thoughts personally at friends and film on Twitter, you can follow me on there at movie Cooper. And Hoops. You can get at me, Josh, and just Josh. Thanks. And for tuning in to the friends of film podcast, Josh, thanks for stopping in everyone. And be sure to turn next for our view of either mile 22 or crazy rich agents.